0: In between those transitions, take some time. Go go to you know go to Bali for a month and hang out in the monkey forest, and go work at the co-working spaces with the sugar-filled coffee. Right. All right. There, there, you guys have from Joe Lunch Clear Voice back in 2013. Started as an agency, which he kind of pivoted into what it is today. Again, helping do content at scale with about 150 customers paying on average 20 grand per year. That's ACV. So doing about call it 200 250 ish per month right now. Hoping to break that 5 million AR mark by the end of the year, growing over 100 percent year over year cocktail tv is really healthy paying less than 20 grand to acquire these customers who stay and are worth well over 80 grand to him so payback is also healthy at less than 12 months with his team of 25 this is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn each episode features revenue numbers Hello, everybody. My guest today is Joe Griffin. He's the CEO of a company called Clear Voice, which is a content marketing platform and talent network that he co-founded in 2013. He served in executive roles at Web.com and iCrossing and has founded multiple companies. He's employed more than 500 SEO, social media and content marketing experts over his career and actively speaks and writes for major media outlets. Joe, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, sir. Good. what you do at uh, Web? What'd you do at Web.com real quick?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, actually sold web.com, a, uh, SEO agency back in 2007.
0: Okay. Were you there with Haroon from, um, oh shoot. What was his company? Uh, uh do you, do you know Haroon when he, he started, he, he sold his company to, uh, to, to those guys for like 167 no, million? No, no. Is it network solutions or was it register.com? Oh gosh. I don't. Oh, uh, this is going to bug me. It was a website builder, a drag and drop website. I can't remember. Anyways, you don't know him, obviously. But so you you sold your agency to them and then did you stay with them at all or you went on to your next thing? Yeah, I did the, Did the kind of earn
1: out thing with them um, was a great experience. And those guys are, you know, world
0: class guys. Love them to death.
1: Did um, you get the full earn out? I got about
0: 90% of it. Yep. Why I, uh, did the 10% not happen? Tell us where earnouts go down the uh, tubes. Yeah,
1: because you know, you're going to typically do two, three years. And so I was supposed to do two years. I got about 18 months of the way in. And, and so I got to uh, go. And I had the performance. The performance was there. Like I was, I was way over performance, which is how, how I was able to kind of negotiate to to get more than 75%. So they were really gracious and, and taking care of me in that way. But yeah, that entrepreneurial spirit, man, I just, I couldn't,
0: I couldn't do it, man. I love those guys to death, but it was hard for me. All right, ClearVoice, what's it doing? How do you make money?
1: Yeah, so ClearVoice is a is a talent network uh, and a content workflow platform for brands and agencies. So we're basically powering you know blogs and um, lead 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 generation content, marketing automation content. So like white papers and emails, really the content behind marketing. It's you know content marketing. Uh-huh. Um, and so a lot of direct to brand work, but agencies are a very big segment for us. And so a lot of times we're the back office, the content and creative back office for agencies. And it's because a lot of this is, you know, going freelance, freelance economy. We're trying to Wait, be there. Joe, for- so sorry.
0: I don't understand. How does content tie into talent management? I don't understand that.
1: Right. So when we think about so our definition of talent is writers, editors, oh. designers, Right. So kind of a, and, and the reason why I don't use the word marketplace, it is a marketplace, but it's not an open marketplace like Upwork or something like that. You can play a, with Scripted. Scripted is a uh, project-based marketplace designed for small businesses. Mm-hmm. So they're really good at turning out high quality, $100 articles, things yep. like that. Um, we are more of a talent partner. So while our, our, um, our freelancers are going to be still creating articles and white papers, eBooks, a lot of the same stuff, it's a little bit more of an extension of your brand type approach, um, so a lot more in-depth workflow, uh, letting the brands upload their brand guidelines, you know their their values, their mission statement. There's a lot. It's a much tighter workflow.
0: Yep. The talent, a, the talent in your marketplace, are they staying as when a company. Starts working with them, do they stay as contractors or do they actually go on the bound, the P and L of the company that's hiring them? as contractors, but that's exactly right there. These are more long-term engagements. Okay. I see. Got it. Mm-hmm. So I should think of, I should think of scripted as a, um, lower prize, uh, sorry, sorry, a lower priced, less integrated version of clear voice. Correct. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Um, and the market,
1: it's good for both of us, right? It's, a, it's
0: the market needs both of those solutions. Yeah. Why didn't you buy them? They
1: just sold. Um, that's a good question. I don't know if we're ready for that type of activity. Yet. I think we're getting, I think we're, we're working on it, but yeah. I don't know if we're ready for that one.
0: So I want to get more of the backstory here, but let me just hone in real quick to understand price differences. Cause it'll basically reflect on the kinds of customers you're serving. I mean, are we talking on average 20 bucks a month, 20 grand a month, 2 million a year, huh. average contract value for you is what?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna be, you know, twenty plus thousand dollars a year type contract value. Okay. Uh, obviously it ranges, could be could be smaller than that, could be a lot bigger than that. Yep. But twenty plus a, a year in terms of the any kind of software fees plus any kind of content fees.
0: I was gonna say, so let's say I pay you twenty grand a year, are you basically saying you're gonna get three, fifteen hundred Word articles per month from these two writers, and that's gonna go for the next twelve months?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And you have a lot of flexibility. You're not stuck to that. So you, but that we, we would call that a content plan, but that's exactly right. Interesting. Okay. Take me back. Uh, when did you launch? Well, you, you launched in 2013, right? Yeah. 2013. And where was your head at that point? Was that right after you negotiated the earn out at, at web?
1: Yeah, this was a few years later. So, uh, my business partner, Jay Swanson and I, we started a company called I Acquire, digital marketing agency in 2009 and had a lot of fun doing that. Did a lot of professional services work. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we, you know, at the same time, we had a really high quality team of engineers that we had inside the agency and a lot of the technology we were building was to be used just for our agency. And we kind of got to a place where we felt like we were just dumping money down the drain. So we made a really big decision to stop being an agency and really move more to a platform business.
0: Interesting. Okay. So when you say, okay, so you moved to a platform business, then what do you do with that? Did you sell that company? Did it shut down?
1: Yeah, so we we were able to leverage the assets of iAcquire to help fuel the development of ClearVoice. We were able to, oh, yeah, we were able to sell some. So we basically sold some. You know, it was really an asset kind
0: of play where some assets were sold, some assets were retained. Yeah, but you morphed in terms of your team at the agency. You morphed that into what is today ClearVoice. Correct. Okay, clean cap table, or have you raised a bunch of capital?
1: Uh, we, we, yeah, we have some investors, so okay. we've got a, a couple of institutional investors raised a, raised a seed round, uh, and then also raised a kind of a small series A. Okay. So total in the
0: company is how much to date? So far we've raised about 4 million. Okay. And, and any lessons you've kind of, kind of taken from that so far? I mean, is this your first company raising capital? Do you regret it? Is it panning out how you expected?
1: I think it's good. I think, um, I've learned. I learned a lot about raising capital. I had I had experience in overall M and A activity, mostly with like selling companies or with debt. So raising through venture capital was a newer experience for me. No personal uh,
0: guarantees. That's nice, right? Yeah, that's a that's a positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I learned a lot about just telling the story, um, the things that are important, obviously to the venture community. And you know, that's a. I guess the only downside of that is that's another job. You know, there's a lot of things you have to do as an entrepreneur, build a business. That's another job you're going to take on. So if you make that decision, you just have to be prepared to make that happen.
0: What's your team look like today? How many people? Yes, we got about 25 people,
1: uh, headquartered in Phoenix. Is everyone Uh, there? Mostly. Yeah. We've got some people in, uh, California, Minnesota, Michigan, um, but primarily Phoenix. And then we also heavily take advantage of our freelance network. So a lot of our marketing is powered by our freelance writers, our freelance editors, strategists, designers, we really heavily utilize that team.
0: Guys, I just bought a brand new three-bedroom, three-bath in Austin, Texas. I'm going to Airbnb it and make probably two or three grand a month in passive income. It's gonna be an unbelievable investment. But one of the first steps is I have to like buy mattresses, right, I have to get a bed for the extra rooms. And, you know, I like a great deal and I didn't wanna spend a ton of money on this, so I decided to go with Casper. They have affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to the consumer. I mean, you guys have heard me interview these brands that are doing this direct-to-consumer model. So I also wanted to test it out. And I also like that Casper basically allows me a you know, 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial and a no hassle return if I'm not completely satisfied. In addition, they made it easy for me to purchase. They do free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. Now, when the mail guy dropped this off, I go, Mr. Mailman, are you sure? That's like a small box. How do they do that? They fit a king size in this box. And I'm going, okay, this is going to be interesting tonight. So I unpack this thing, I open it, I lay it down on my rug here on my second floor bedroom. And I go, okay, I'm going to sleep on it tonight, see how it does. This mattress gave me all the support my body could possibly need in all the right places. And I'm thinking, Lord have mercy. If a mattress can hug me like this while I sleep, I never have to date. I could just build my business, make a lot of money, and never worry about relationships again. No, I'm just kidding, but this thing is a great mattress. It's designed, developed, and assembled in the US, which I love. I encourage you guys to go grab your own, even just to experience Casper's business model. To get started, you can really start sleeping ahead of the curb with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash top and using promo code top at checkout terms and conditions apply again get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash top and using promo code top at checkout terms and conditions apply how many freelancers in the past 12 months have made at least 100 bucks from you
1: oh i would say
0: a thousand plus okay is that like I'm, i'm trying to get at is that one of the key metrics you look at what are like the two key metrics you look at
1: yeah, we look at, um, we do care, obviously we care a lot about how much our freelancers are making and we have to be careful not to over have an oversupply because we end up with a case where people are not getting work. So what we care about is making sure we're matching the right talent with the right customer, uh, making sure that we we like to set that stage for ongoing work when we talk about like a content plan. We want them to work together you know, all the time. That's what differentiates us from a project-based marketplace. So that's probably the biggest measurement of success is are these people working together? They're working together consistently. Are they happy? Uh, And obviously we're going to be able to support both sides of that process just as things change, as things evolve, make sure we continue to serve both parties.
0: So thousands of freelancers take me to the other side of the marketplace. How many customers have you scaled to today?
1: Yeah, we got about 150 customers.
0: Okay. So you're, you're still at the point where you can afford to put pretty high touch on these folks. You're not like in the, you know, tens of thousands, right? Correct, correct. Um, Interesting, what, so the team breakdown, the 25 people, how many of those are like account folks for onboarding, things like that?
1: Yeah, we've got about four people on the account side, uh, about eight engineers, uh, a couple sales guys, uh, marketing team, you know, some GNA type folks.
0: Eight engineers surprises me for this kind of business. Is there, is there a hard piece of tech behind this that's complex? Um, yeah, there's a couple. So
1: one of the pieces of the tech behind it's pretty complex is a, a system we call VoiceGraph. And so, and I'll try to keep this, try to keep it short, but when we set out to really try to identify who all the talent was on the internet that produces content, because we wanted to basically be able to, uh, I guess, selectively find, you know, the right talent for the right customers. There's no place you can just, I mean, there's some influencer marketing databases and stuff like that, but there's no good just list or source of who are all the, who's the talent by category. So what we did, we built an infrastructure that goes out, indexes all the major publishers, the top 250,000 publishers. We use some algorithms to figure out who wrote that content, and then we generate portfolios for people. And we're actually just about to launch. That's a we have a that's kind of V1, V2 actually goes live in the next week, which we're super excited about. Uh, and we're we're trying to create the best portfolios for freelancers on the internet.
0: Okay, I mean, so you'll realize, you'll scan for like Ron Miller and realize his TechCrunch articles do really well in terms of sharing settings, things you can get publicly. So you can't get page count, I imagine, but you can get like sharing signals, things like that. And then realize when you scrape the web, he also writes for Business Insider and one other one. You'll create a profile for him and then send him a random message that says, hey, someone wants to pay you 500 bucks, write a 1500 word article. And that's how you try and get him on board. That's a really good.
1: That's uh, a concise description of what we're doing. Interesting. Yeah. Four hundred fifty thousand creators we've mapped and generated portfolios for. The vast majority don't know they exist because we've kept them mostly not public. Yep. But once we launch the V two, which again in the next week, we'll start to allow those in Google's index. We'll start to allow those to be shareable, and we'll generate a lot of supply. But we're then going to also work with them because we we view freelancers as business people, um, and we we're going to have we're going to work with them to help them. You know, get work and also send us customers. We want to make this as, you know as circular as possible. Let's work together to connect talent.
0: Yep. A twenty thousand dollar ACV comes out to I believe like sixteen hundred bucks a month multiplied by one hundred and fifty customers puts you guys north of two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty ish in MRR. Is that generally accurate? Yeah,
1: yeah. You're in the right ballpark. So we're getting you know obviously we're we're trying to get close to that five million dollar mark. We'll be there this year,
0: by end okay. of year. Okay, you think you'll hit it by the end of end of December? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So two fifty right now you're at about 3 million in AR. So I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good growth. So have you, are you doubling year over year right now?
1: That's the track run. Yeah.
0: Okay. Did you double over the past 12 months? Yes. Okay, good. So call it 100, a something like that. 13 months ago, uh, keep doubling. And where's most of the growth coming from? Is it selling more content services to the same customers? So increasing ARPU or is it getting new customers?
1: There's both increase in ARPU from obviously just people, you know, saturating the product and using the talent more but it's it's a lot of it's you know it's mostly new customers it's it's really kind of half and half i mean there's a there's ongoing usage increases from this existing base the new customers and then the agency segment has stepped up a lot for us i mean as we continue to get good at that agency product it it's just it's a no-brainer for them because the thing they hate the most is hiring and firing right they have to be elastic to the needs of their new business their lost customers They're also dealing with the reality of a freelance world creative talents going freelance way over half of them right now are freelance. They're dealing with that and their clients are discriminating more than ever. Clients demand that high quality content at the category level. They know, you know, everyone can, and consumers are smart. We can smell crap content now. And so the agencies are grappling with that. We're a really great solution to come in, provide that elasticity, give them the subject matter experts they need. And so that's been a good segment for us.
0: So a good way to measure, you know, how valuable you are is to look at churn. Tell me about churn in the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so first of all, we're really young. And so it's hard for us to get our arms around what is lifetime value? What we've have been able to identify or what, where our, you know, key customer segments are, where we can hit that, you know, kind of hundred percent retention number annually in terms of revenue retention. There's always going to be cases for us in the content marketing space in particular, content's kind of a hard thing to do. So there's cases where we're going to get customers that have really big ambitions for the content they want to do and at the end of the day, they're not able to execute on that for a variety of reasons, right? Just It's hard to execute on content. Those are the types of customers that are going to churn out. The ones that are able to consistently execute on that content, those customers are getting good results. We've really found that the, the, the areas for us that have that high retention are going to be kind of the mid and large enterprise brands and then that that agency segment. The small businesses are are tough because they've just got owner operators.
0: But Joe, if you look look at the past 12 months though, in terms of revenue churn, what is it? I mean, and by the way, that will take into account small versus large accounts, right? Someone churning only pays you 10 bucks a month is not going to materially impact that versus someone paying you a hundred grand a year.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're, we're still trying to get our arms around revenue churn a little bit because we do have all those different segments. And like you said, you kind of can kind of add it up. But I would say my numbers are, my numbers are, are not good enough to share at this point in terms of my understanding of revenue churn. And the reason why that is just to not totally try to dodge that one there.
0: I mean, what do you we, think it is though, Joe, you have a back of the napkin, but you're not confident in yeah, the inputs not right not now. No,
1: I think we're under, you know, we're under 20%. In terms okay. Of that's revenue pretty, churn. that's not bad. Yeah. We're your, your three and you know, you're three in commerce, you know, I think we'll, I, you know, we're going to get to gross that. Gross
0: or net revenue churn. That is. Yeah. So add, back, you add when you add back your expansion revenue, that would be net. Does that 20% include the gains yeah, we're from expansion?
1: Yeah, under 20% net.
0: Under 20%. Got it. That's healthy. 15% net. That's, yeah. that's healthy. And last few, Yeah, that's good. It's a good, I mean, that's healthy. That's not bad at all. Um, Last few economics questions before we wrap up here. Uh, CAC, what are you spending to acquire these guys?
1: It depends on the segment.
0: Um, I could tell you that our, our
1: CAC to L, our LTV, lifetime value to CAC ratios are three plus in okay. terms of our our ability to acquire. But But what do you
0: assume lifetime value is? That's also back of the napkin kind of math, but what do you assume it's definitely greater than
1: right. So we assume that the customer is going to stick around for four or five years at least. So obviously if you've got um a customer spending twenty thousand dollars a year, you're going to be in that you know eighty to hundred thousand dollar a year range. So you know to acquire those customers were under twenty thousand, you know, to acquire those customers probably closer to ten. Yep. But you know, one of the reasons why again I'm not trying to dodge those questions, but most of our acquisition activity is not done through paid media it's done through organic and earned media and so you know the traditional way that you would measure those you know obviously i can just look at marketing costs and how many customers did you acquire so that's pretty straightforward but we're really focused on the organic and on the earned media
0: well, um, even on the earned, right? That's a little more complex because it's not like a Google ad spend kind of thing, but you take, you know, you, you take, you know, right. salaries of all your writers, right? Divided by how you know, what you pay them per month, divided by how many new customers per month. And you can kind of back into it, but those are healthy economics. I mean,
1: right. We know what our marketing and you know, we know what our monthly marketing costs is. We know what the customers we're acquiring. So we can obviously do that math. But, um, I would just say that again, like the way that we're approaching this is not through that traditional means. So it's not like I'm running huge ad dollars and, sure. you know, now, we've, we've tested a lot of that. And we kind of know where, where things don't work. We kind of know what works a little bit better, but what just works for us is good content marketing. So that's where we're focused.
0: Yep. Joe, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's the last business book you read? I
1: uh, just read Extensionalism.
0: Extensionalism?
1: Not Extensionalism. Sorry. What is, <laughs> not Extensionalism. What is it called? I um, can't remember the name of it. It's uh, Greg. Uh, essentialism. Sorry. Oh,
0: Essential- Essentialism. Greg McCown.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Number good two. Ball. It's a good book. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: I'm a big fan of what the HubSpot guys are doing. Yep. You know, both Darmesh and Brian Halligan tend to be, uh, people I really look up to.
0: Yep. You're doing 3 million in AR right now. If they offer you 3X AR, do you sell the company? So 9 million bucks? No. No. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business?
1: Hmm. It's a good one. Um, I'll just put clear voice aside. We'll put your own. Uh, I would say, um, I really
0: like SEM rush. I think it's a really great tool. Good. Yeah. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I don't sacrifice in that area too much. I'd say six and a half. That's good. And what's your situation, Joe married single. You have kids. Yeah. Married two kids, two kiddos. And how old are you? I'm 36. All right. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Yeah, I would, I would say, um, just, you know, be,
1: be, be able to take time off when you're transitioning, whether it be between careers, whether it's going from one project to another, find some time to just take some time off. Like that's something i just, I've never taken like a one month sabbatical or like not worked for at no point in my life since I was you know 16 years old, have I not had a job for more than two weeks, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I wish I had done that. And I had some, some exits where I, you know, came and you know, did it okay financially and, You know, I wish I had said, let me just take off two or three months and just take a step back. And I just haven't done that. I I, I would tell myself
0: to do that. There, you guys have it. In between those transitions, take some time. Go go to you know go to Bali for a month and hang out in the monkey forest and go work at the co-working spaces with the sugar-filled coffee. Right. All right. There, there, you guys have it from Joe Lunch, Clear Voice, back in 2013. Started as an agency, which he kind of pivoted into what it is today. Again, helping do content at scale with about 150 customers paying on average 20 grand per year. That's ACV. So doing about call it 200, 250 ish per month right now. Hoping to break that 5 million AR mark by the end of the year, growing over 100% year over over a year. Cactel LTV is really healthy, paying less than 20 grand to acquire these customers who stay and are worth well over 80 grand to him. So Payback is also healthy at less than 12 months with his team of 25 based there in Phoenix. Joe, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Thanks, Ian.